0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean O'Zaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10, 10. And today we continue in a series called In This We Trust, as Pastor Sean will give you practical advice and biblical wisdom when it comes to your finances. Will money make you happy? Well, here's a silver bullet. What if your happiness has less to do with how much you have and more to do with whom we belong to? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The name of the message is called The Silver Bullet. Pastor Sean is teaching from Hebrews chapter 13 and 1 Timothy 6. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: The series is called In This We Trust and we're talking about the heart issues that work themselves out into practical matters when it comes to resources, finances, the stuff that we handle all the time in our lives. It's not just money. It's not just budgets. It's not just numbers. We've seen that they are connected to heart conditions, and that's what makes it so significant. That's why the Bible talks about it so much. There's so much for us to learn in our discipleship, our spiritual growth, through this issue of how we handle and how we respond in the area of resources now remember we started with trust financial freedom begins with who you trust do you trust god to be your provider we moved into a conversation about stewardship it's all his we are caring for something that we come in with nothing we leave with nothing that's the truth it's all his fundamentally we're his and so we are caring for something and there's such a freedom in that. We talked about the covenant of the tithe and God's desire to bless us and multiply and do more with 90% than we could do with 100% if we'll trust him. It is a covenant that allows us to learn to trust the Lord in practical, this practical area of resources that really affects our heart and all the other areas of our life as well. And then last week we introduced the concept of a plan called a budget. I had to define that for some people because it was a strange and foreign word. For so many. That got a little painful for some people. I introduced this idea right here. Okay, remember this? 10, 10, 80. Very simple. Very simple. It begins 10%. That's the tithe that's holy to the Lord. We tithe, and what we do when we tithe is we bring our finances under the covenant and the covering of God's blessing. And it really does. This is where it all starts. This is where trusting the Lord and saying, I trust you more than I trust the system, my own abilities, my own wisdom. I trust you, Lord, and it starts there. Then, then we began with, then we went to this idea of save second. And we called this the freedom fund, remember? This is the idea of being free Living free. I had someone come to me after service uh, today and talk about this simple formula. Ten, ten. is so practical that if you did this, they had a young a a daughter who's in high school. Imagine if a kid just said, "I'm going to live like that" and did that their whole life. I don't care what they. I don't care what you did. You, You could be a youth pastor. You could be a PE coach. You could do whatever you want. By the time you're in your 40s, you're living free. You're living like a rich person. You do. You're free. Because you've disciplined yourself and lived some principles. So this idea of God first, and then this, this freedom fund, our savings. We called it an obedience fund. It allows us to be free and then live off the 80. And I know I lost some of you on that one. I knew full well. The minute I said ten, 10, and you live off the 80, you're like, whatever. <laughs> Come on, be serious. We're not making it on the 100, okay? We, we, we can't do the 80. And some of you just checked out, and I wonder what's on Twitter. Let's. Ooh. Because you're like, okay, he's, he's talking crazy up there. I want to suggest, and I told you last week, today I want to give you the key to actually doing this. I want to give you the key to living within that kind of budget and living like this. And it's hard. I, I've told my kids, if you'll start when you're, when you're 20 and just get that habit, it's real hard to start in your 40s and 50s and kind of redo your habits. It's important. It's doable. But, man, if you could start when you're just starting out in life in your 20s and start living like this, you, you will understand a freedom that the rest of us are striving to get to and to, to live in. Before we can get to the secret, we're going to have to deal with the problem. We're going to have to deal with the problem because there is a big barrier to this. I mean, when we talked about it and, and lots of people go, I can't do that, that we, we bumped into the barrier. And the barrier is, as we said, 78% of people in recent study, recent survey showed, are living, in our culture, are living paycheck to paycheck. No savings, no pad, they're living paycheck to paycheck, and that's just the truth. And the biggest issue, the big thing, when I showed the budget, remember I showed you a budget, kind of a sample of, of some general numbers you could look at, and so some people are like, well, but you didn't have anything for debt. And I, I spend a significant amount of my income each month paying off debt. Debt is kind of the big elephant in the room. And it's a problem that is almost epidemic, epidemic in proportions. Total consumer debt in the United States. That's, that doesn't include mortgages. Mortgages they consider a real estate investment. Consumer debt. It's credit cards. It's car loans. Uh, school loans, uh, medical, all the stuff like that. All those things that we have to wrestle with. Total consumer debt, $3.89 trillion, which is up 7.6% from the previous year. That was 2018. That's up 7.6%. $3.89 trillion, that's per capita. That includes every little kid. $11,880 is the debt per person, per capita. Remember, we saw that 75% of people in our nation are in debt, of those people, 50% say they'll never be out of debt. They envision their lives always being in debt. Well, it's a wonder that we can't be free. It's a wonder that we can't see ourselves free to living differently. And you go, where does this come from? Why do we have this culture? Man, we're the wealthiest nation on the planet. So much opportunity, so much resource. What is the problem? Well, I'm telling you, all you gotta do is go to the top. Starts with the U.S. government. It's our whole system, our whole culture. The U.S. government. Here's our budget. 2017, the revenue, the income, okay, this is the tax revenue income, $3.316 trillion. That's the revenue. The outlays or the expenses are $3.981 trillion. That leaves every year currently a deficit of $665 billion. That's the deficit. You hear talk about the deficit? The deficit is, deficit is how much we fall short every year. And this has been for years. Every single year. This is the reality. It's like if a family, okay, their household income was $50,000 a year, but their expenses were 60000 a year. How long would, could that go on? Maybe family income's 100000 a year. Their expenses are 120000 a year. That's, the, that's equivalent numbers. Would you have any creditors let you do that for very long? Right? No. They would eventually say, yeah, you can't do that. But the U.S. government's got a sweet little deal. It's really, really quite slick the way we did it. They just vote themselves a higher debt limit. Why didn't we think of that? Lori and I want to borrow more money because we want to spend 120% of our income, not just our income. We want to spend 120. So we get together, family meal one night. We do Robert's Rules of Orders, and we have a vote. And we vote to raise our debt limit. And we call the bank. Good news. We've raised the debt limit. And the bank's like, are are you like on drugs right now? (laughs) Sir, put the phone down, call 911. But that's what our government gets to do. It's just the way it works. The national debt, the accumulation of this deficit over the years, right now is at $22 trillion, which is more than the GDP. $22 trillion. That's 67000 per American, including the children, in our nursery. $67,000. i am not going to collect it from them today, but they got to start paying up quick. Okay? If every single dollar of revenue went to pay the debt, okay, nothing else. No military, no services, no Department of Education, Department of Welfare, nothing, nothing else. If every dollar went to pay towards the debt, it's seven years before the debt could be paid off. And that's nothing else. The United States pays for nothing else. Seven years. It would take seven years. We pay $349 billion a year in interest on that debt. The national defense is only $631 billion. We pay over half of what we pay for national defense just for interest on the debt. That's not principle. There's no principle. It's just the interest. And so we wonder where this debt insanity comes from. It's rooted into our culture. And the scary part is people sit and go... There's no silver bullet for this. Other than incredible economic growth and some incredible restraint on the part of the government, there, there's, no, there's no silver bullet. I want to suggest there is. There's actually one that's been discovered. Okay, It's rather complex. I'll try to break it down and explain it mathematically to you. In what seems like an unsolvable situation, a silver bullet has been discovered, which will not only stop the bleeding, but will totally reverse the course of our finances our national finances, and I think if we scale it down on a personal level, we can do this on a personal level. It's obviously mathematical, somewhat technical, but I will try to explain it in layman's terms for you. Here's the magic bullet, the silver bullet. Spend less than you make. There it is. I should charge for this kind of stuff, but for you, River City family, this is free. Spend less than you make, and you look at me and go, come on. John, that's so silly and stupid. It's so simple. Obviously, it's not. Obviously, I've got to break down the math for you a little bit. Here's the deal. Here's the way the math works. So if you make $50,000 a year and you spend sixty, dollars that equals debt. If you make $50,000 a year and you spend forty, dollars that equals savings. Say it with me. Savings good, debt bad. Savings freedom, debt bondage.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you You're listening to Reaching for Real Life With Pastor Sean Azaro A listener supported ministry of River City Community Church In this message called The Silver Bullet It's in the series called In This We Trust Which is available right now on the sermon page At reallife.org And while you're there if you've been blessed by this teaching Your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry Continue to help others Just find the gift tab at reallife.org This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: Spend less than you make. Now let me just suggest, this is not just a national problem. It's easy for me to poke fun at the government and say, those guys in Washington, those guys, yeah, i got enough to worry about right here in San Antonio. See, It's not just a national problem. This is a personal problem for us. And it is an epidemic. A personal problem. What's the problem? Here, I want to define the problem for you. It's the scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 5. I love the scripture. What it says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be what? Content with what you have. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That verse is like a seminar in one verse. Keep your lives free from the money, love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's the whole point of what we've been talking about. God has said, I love you, I'm your provider, I'm going to take care of you. That's why it is possible for me to grow in this area of contentment. See, the problem that we have, as with many external symptoms, there's an internal issue that is driving the problem. This is an internal issue that is causing external symptoms. Debt is simply the symptom. That's it. That is the symptom. Discontent is the disease. Contentment is the cure. And here's what I want you to take with you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Contentment is God's secret to prosperity. This is it. This is the silver bullet. This is the secret. Contentment is God's secret to prosperity. It is God's will, it is God's gift for his children. And it is a key to freedom. When I say contentment, I'm talking about being filled, satisfied, and complete. Means I have enough. I have enough. Think about you just had a wonderful meal, and you know, you can't eat another bite, and they bring something else out, and you're like, Oh man, thank you. It was so good. I just I can't I can't do anymore. I am full. I'm content. I have plenty. That's where God wants us. That's his gift. Paul was writing to a young pastor, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And Timothy, or he's writing to Timothy about dealing with people who are troublesome, false teachers, troublemakers in the church. He's talking about people of corrupt mind. He goes on and says this, and of constant, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Interesting. You ever seen that? Godliness being a means to financial gain but look what Paul says to Timothy he says but godliness with contentment is great gain godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it but if we have food and clothing we will be content with that this word actually the greek word can be translated covering i don't have a problem saying a roof over our heads If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. This is convicting and challenging for me because I grew up in a culture that taught me I should be rich and I should pursue wealth and it's something that's, that's good and virtuous and I should do that. And as I told you, I grew up around a lot of wealth and I came to see wealth as an obstacle to be overcome when it came to peace, fruitfulness, contentment, joy, the full life that God has for it. But I was raised to say, no, no, riches are something. All we Americans were, and the fact is, our flash plays along. That is, that is music to my carnal nature's ears. Paul speaks the truth. People want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This does not say money is the root of evil. That would be a misquote. It says the love of money. Money is just a medium of exchange. That's all. It's just a medium of exchange to, to work in an economy. It's the love of money. The obsession of money. When money, remember, temporal thing, gets in an eternal heart. That's a problem. It's a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We've all seen that. It talks about godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul speaks a little bit more personally about his own situation in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. He's talking to the church Philippi, Philippine. He's talking about resources they sent to help him. And he said, he say, he's thanking them for their support while he's, in, he's actually writing this in prison. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, there's that word again, whatever the circumstances. I know it is to be in need. Obviously, he's in prison. And I know it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? This is key. And this is Pastor Scripture we quote all the time, and we're not even aware that what he's talking about is contentment. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's the secret. That's the secret. That's the secret to contentment. It's the secret to Hebrews 13.5. Let your character be free from love of money, being content with what you have. Why? Because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, let's rethink how we define contentment based on that passage of scripture. Contentment is sufficiency in Christ that impacts and fills my whole life, including my material needs. I am full. I am content because I have him. He's my provider. He promised to meet my needs. He has never let me down. I am full. I am content. I have plenty in him. This is the biblical center when it comes to finances. It is. I've heard some crazy teaching in the church regarding money. I've heard people the tradition I grew up in, there were people who come along and get this teaching that says every Christian's supposed to be materially wealthy. Because we're king's kids. We should, have, we should live in the nicest houses. We should have drive the nicest cars. We should be it, it, the most prosperous people as far as wealth. And if you don't, then you must not have enough faith. Because God's will is for you to have that. And let me just tell you, by the way, that will put butts in seats. That That message will fill a room. If word gets out, Sean's telling you that God wants everybody rich, and he's showing you in the Bible telling you how to get rich, uh, it'll, pack, it'll pack a house. The fact is, it's just not true. It's a lie. I mean, they sit and tell you, oh, if you don't have wealth, then you just don't have enough faith. Really? Simon Peter walks up to the temple. There's a guy been crippled from birth there. Guy asks him for money. What does Peter say? Silver and gold have I none. I can see him sitting there pulling his pocket out going, yeah, sorry, dude. Wrong guys, if that's what you're looking for. Sorry, man. Oh, but, but what I do have, I can give you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy's healed instantly, and he walks. you telling me Peter didn't have faith? Otherwise, he would have been rich. That's just ridiculous. I told you, God does want to prosper us, but he wants to prosper us regardless of how much or how little we may have in the bank. That's not a statement that says God wants everybody to be materially wealthy. He does want everyone to be free. He wants us to prosper, even in our resources. He wants us to have plenty to meet all our needs, and then extra to be able to be generous and be free. That is his desire. That's biblical. The other extreme that people teach, and early on in my ministry, I kind of flirted with this idea that God wants us to be poor. God wants us to be poor, and that's more spiritual to be poor. Well, that's not biblical either. There's nothing in the scripture to suggest that what the scripture does teach crystal clear when it comes to resources. God wants you to be content. That is the biblical center. He's not promising everybody's gonna be wealthy. He's not saying everybody needs to be poor. What he's saying is I want you to be content. And in that contentment, there is a great gift. A great gift. See, contentment is the secret to prosperity. It's the secret to being able to work within your budget. It is the secret to what God wants to have for us. A few things about contentment. First, contentment frees me from the pursuit of more. Contentment frees me from the pursuit of more. And again, culturally, we live in the world of more. I don't care how much you have, you're told you need to have more. And there's like, they're like drug pushers. I can't read an email. I can't read the news. I can't do anything without seeing ads. I can't drive to work without seeing ads. They're everywhere around me. Is you can purchase this. You can get this. Here's how you get this. Contentment frees me from the pursuit of more, which is my flesh's addiction. My flesh plays right along with a culture that says you got to have more. My flesh is, oh yeah, mm, that's good. Get me some more. We teach our baby sign language. One of the things we teach them is more, a little baby sign language. And I know it's out, you want a little more cereal, but they pick up the concept. They can't even say the word more. <laughs> first service, first service. I did it wrong because my grandson does this, right? Judy does this. And I didn't know some lady in the front was telling me, it's this, okay. So I go, it's like this. I had people come up and correct me afterwards, like, uh, sir, no, no, it's this. <laughs> so thank you, thank you. You have been the beneficiaries of some very attentive moms. But it's the flesh is addiction, and we teach the kids, and we, it's just like, it's everywhere. Remember what Jesus said, we looked at first week, Matthew chapter 6, Remember he said, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Remember that? That is not some kind of, that's not Jesus saying it's wrong to save. Because what he's saying is storing up for yourself treasure on earth. See, when I save, I recognize that's all God's money. I just am not spending it all. And he gives it to me to use. I tithe. He gives me those resources to use. But savings, again, is what helps me be free. It helps me not to be in debt. It helps me to be be able to be generous. That's what it does. Jesus isn't saying don't save. He's saying don't store it up for yourself here on earth. Don't lay it up for yourself and hang on to it. Instead, lay it up in heaven. But then he goes on and he says this in verse 22 and 23. Very important. So think about contentment, what we're just talking about. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's talking about our vision, but what he's talking about is this need for more. My eye is always looking for more. i got to do more. i got to be more. i got to have more. Contentment is that thing that understands, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is a never-ending cycle.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, in this we trust, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.